0: Welcome back into the Short Cores Saloon Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Philip Slavin. We're recording this on Monday night. Basketball season is now officially over. How are you holding up, man?
1: For the men. Hold on. I just, for oh, the men.
0: Yes. For, sorry. Yes. For the, for the men. Yes. The, the Cowboy the basketball last, off, last
1: night. R- 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 smoked Wake Forest in their first round game. So that, that was good. good. Um, well, I'll just say this. I'm not drinking tonight on the show so I can stay as level-headed as possible so this is the uh alcohol-free no porcelain after a day I keep I I thought I was good um, I thought I was past everything but like as we prep for the show i just get all my, my anger flares back up about and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to just be angry fan but I'm really angry fan Um, but I woke up this morning, sun was shining, uh, my eight month daughter laying in bed next to me. She didn't sleep. She literally got in bed like 30 minutes before I got up. Uh, just smiling. Sweetest little thing. Kicks my day off. Right. You know? And I make, you know, once I get to work, I make what I believe to be the terrible mistake of getting on Twitter for the first time since the game ended. Thinking this is just going to fuel me. And instead of just seeing my emotions vomited out about frustration and anger and rah rah rah, rah. what I see is something that made me kind of proud. What I see is an overwhelming focus by the Oklahoma State fan base. People right, who cover OSU, people talking about OSU from the night before, and the conversation is not anger or frustration or blame. It is pride. It is appreciation for Kate Cunningham coming and spending his one year in college at Oklahoma State. It's appreciation for what Kate Cunningham did for Oklahoma State basketball this year and the impact that that can and and might have for OSU moving forward. It's the impact for every the appreciation for every player who suited up in Orange this year. It's people retweeting the incredibly raw incredibly honest emotional video of boy immediately after the loss in the locker room which I, if if that didn't make you tear up at all not even one tiny movie tear you are a stronger man than i am. and i mean i'm a little upset now at the moment while we're recording this because i got to think about it and talk about it again and, and dissect it which is hard but to be honest my day was better because my eight-month-old has an adorable smile. The sun was shining. And thankfully, the Oklahoma State fan base helped steer my mind and my heart in the appropriate direction that it needed to be. And so to all of you on Twitter who I follow or I see or any of, any of you who just happen to pop up on my timeline, thank you. Because you guys were better fans than I was this morning. I'm around with you now. But um, it made me—it made me proud to be a cowboy. Yeah,
0: last night I, as many of you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I have the incredible, incredibly poor habit of tweeting my emotions during a game, especially when we are losing, and I go doom and gloom like that. It happens. Uh, it's just the way my mind works in life and in sports. And I woke up this morning and I look back at some of the things that I tweeted because I was angry, heartbroken last night. It, it sucked. And I realized how unhealthy and how unnecessary some of the things I said were. And I didn't think I was that outlandish, but it doesn't matter to a certain extent. Deleted a bunch of them. And I feel like I have a better perspective on things today than I did yesterday and I'm with you, I, before I went to bed last night, I, I took one last look at Twitter before I, I finally put my phone down and went to sleep. And all that I saw was the same thing as you did. It was the first, the first tweet that I saw was the thank you to uh, with a picture of Cade sitting in the locker, you know, that kind of vignette shot. And I just went and there were a bunch of replies underneath. And I was just curious where the, the fan base was, were they going to be mad that we lost? How are they going to react? And every single one was, Thank you, Cade. You made this season special. We are so happy that you were a cowboy. It's things like that. And I went, okay. I am a little more calm now. I woke up this morning and I saw the same video you did. And if you aren't sold at all on Mike Boynton, if you whether you, you know, whether you want to go down that rabbit hole or not, you can't say that man doesn't care about every single player in that locker room. And that's not just on the floor, that's as a person. And it made me emotional too, because I didn't want the season to end either. And he he said, I just I want to coach you guys one more time. It is I'll I'll ask you this, Philip, and I'll I'll see if I can I was thinking about this. I don't know if it'll make a ton of sense, but this was something I was thinking about earlier today. When was the last time for Oklahoma watching an Oklahoma State basketball game? Because you and I talked about this. Oklahoma State basketball was our first love with Oklahoma State sports. At Mm -hmm. At different phases of our life, obviously, I was in, like, first grade. You were in college. And when was the last time you were just bent out of shape, heartbroken by a loss? Like, not just like a, damn, that sucked. Like, you were just devastated.
1: Okay, so if we're just talking hoops, Yeah, that, I mean hoops, yes. <laughs> because the deep down, here's the deal. I care about football. I hate losing in football. Games that we lose in football. Like, the Texas loss this year pissed me off. <laughs> like it, it did. But nothing – basketball as my first level, I will always take the losses harder. I can – I just will. Um. The 2013 loss to Oregon still irks me to this day. Um, don't ever make Oklahoma State face a 12-seed Pac-12 champ from the state of Oregon and the sell tournament ever again, or I will murder someone. Um, I hate every time we lose to Gonzaga. That Oregon one, I think, is the one that does it, is, is the next closest one. The Arizona loss in, in, in 05 sucks. Um, losing to Georgia Tech in 2010 again, because I hate Georgia Tech because they you know kept Eddie from his national championship. But the I think the other one that bugs me the most is that loss to Oregon. Because it's the last time we really felt just like this team could do it. Right? Like it wasn't the second year for Marcus Smart was the first year it was, which was the better team. The team was good. Marcus Smart was there. I wish you was a six seed. You were feeling good in the tournament, like, and they go out to California face an understated Oregon team and didn't didn't play well, but didn't play bad and just, and I was angry. I, I think I had I was on my way to Dallas and I got going late and so I had to listen to like the first half of the first half like in my car and and I was I should never drive I, I have to make a rule I'm not allowed to listen to basketball, basketball games and drive at the same time especially now that I have kids it's not a good thing um, I, I had to speed up because I had to get out of the car I was going to you know, crash that one is up there this one it's that invest emotional investment. I love OSU basketball, but to, to deal with the way it's been for the past, basically since 2005, I have to kind of detach myself. And so to be as bought in this year and to feel like – to be as okay as I was with the loss of Texas in the Big 12 tournament title game, like I was like, okay, this was a, a bull lost but i'll set it aside because i feel like something's about to happen here and then to lose the way they did in in not reach the sweet 16 was just a little bit too much for my heart to handle yeah
0: this this was i I was trying to i was thinking about this while i was at work today i had a lot of time i didn't do a ton today but i was sitting here thinking about how i was going to formulate you know some of my thoughts tonight if i ramble oh well you guys listen to this shit anyway
1: but (laughs) if we ramble
0: when we ramble. But I was trying to think back at the last time I was just heartbroken, devastated by us. And I th- that, okay, the, that 2013 one for sure sticks out. The Adam Morrison banking 3 and 06 sticks out to me because I was at that game. And I remember being nine years old and crying my eyes out leaving Key Arena because Adam Morrison did that. The, I remember watching the Georgia Tech game. But at all those points, like at least, especially that the Final Four loss in 05 in 2013, like those teams were like really good. Oklahoma State was a nationally relevant program at that point. And I, you know, losses over the last couple of years where Oklahoma State's been down, it sucks. But we lost a lot of games. This year, this was the best team in a very long time. I put this team up there with that 2013 team the program is heading in the right direction if we're taking losses this badly, like losing hurts this bad because we don't expect to lose anymore. This is, That's what this year is proving to me is that the program is heading in the right direction if we're going to be – if losses are going to hurt this bad. And I do because – they, this is not a feeling that I know that the guys that are in that locker room with I mean, vast majority of them coming back next year are going to want to are, are going to want to replicate. Boynton has said that this is this is the minimum, this is the baseline for what he wants. You, I don't foresee Oklahoma State losing the first weekend very often when they get back to the tournament. I say when, not if, because they're going to. Whether the NCAA you know stays on their bullshit or whether it's twenty twenty three and beyond, this is going to be one of the last times we see Oklahoma State lose in the first weekend. All I feel that confident in what Mike Boynton is doing at Oklahoma State and the standard that he's setting, and I think this year is the first time that we really saw like we felt like this, we really felt the upswing this year, I think.
1: I'll say this. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip the negative. Devil's advocate argument here because I don't for think it. it's con- Go for it. conductive. I don't think it's productive. I don't think it's conducive to anything of value. I'll say this. Well, either one's not going to sound right. Uh, I want the appeal. I want the ban overturned anyways, right? Yes. Like we, don't, we don't want a ban next year. It's going to suck because you, you see what this team is going to have back next year in theory. Assuming there's not a bunch of players who leave, blah, 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 blah you see what they have coming back next year this could be a really fun team i don't know that they're going to be a four seed but it's still going to be a really fun team that, that should make the tournament right and i would hate for this to be the only opportunity for some guys like isaac likely i would hate for this to be the only opportunity maybe for i don't know Bryce Williams, or maybe some of the other guys on the roster maybe they only, maybe they only stick around for one more year who knows And because I think that this year it feels like each year under Boynton has helped to fuel the next. And I know that you know it wasn't it wasn't after that first year it kind of got bad, right? Second year wasn't good. They got a little bit better than this year. But I do get the feeling with him that Unlike with Ford, where they just, you just, every year was like, okay, well, maybe they'll get, the, maybe it'll be next year. You know, that was the one thing with Ford. It always thought, like, well, maybe next year for the year. It didn't feel like they were building something. It was just, maybe it'll be next year we'll get that win. Maybe next year we'll make a run. This does feel more like, I want this postseason, this trip to the end of tournament, this only win one and then you're done to help fuel and build this team for next year. Because that's how you get to have teams that make it and win games annually. Because they get used to going. And going isn't as big of an achievement anymore because you go on a regular basis. And then winning one game isn't as big of an achievement because you're used to winning that first game. So that you get to the point where you you expect to win two games at least every time. And, And you have enough players on the roster who are used to doing that that they bring that level of understanding to the team when they get there. They didn't play well in either game. Like they beat Liberty and it was great, the team didn't play well at all. Let's just be let's be blunt. Yeah. We can we'll get into the refs and everything else and is shitty fouls and whatever. Okay. They didn't play well. They didn't play like they had been playing at the end of the regular season and in the Big 12 tournament but this is different instead tournament is not the same as a big ball tournament. You're not playing the teams that you know that well, right? You play teams who you haven't, you, you only know on tape. So it's a completely different thing. It's a determinant to different situations, different environments, even different than normal. And we talked about this in the preview stuff. Like one of the things that did give me pause about Liberty is one thing you look for in upset matchups, youth versus experience. It was a young OSU team, and I think it showed. I think it did. I, I, I absolutely think not just that they were a young team, but this was a young team that had not been... None of these players had been to the NCAA tournament. There's not a player on this roster who had been to one. Not even the transfers, Bryce Williams or Farron Flavors. No one on this roster had ever been to an NCAA tournament before. I think it kind of showed. And so I want to be able to build upon that next year and the year after. I don't want a year off from the tournament because there's a bullshit postseason ban. I want to go back and get another shot. I want Avery Anderson, and I want Rondell Walker, and I want the Boone Twins, and I want Moncrief, and I want Likely, and I want everyone else on this team to go and go, no, we know what we're doing this time. We know what this is. We've been here before. We've done this. We know what it takes. We're ready for this. And I think if there's if there anybody
0: that. that could do that for Oklahoma State, it's Mike Boynton. I'd, Agreed. Yeah. This is, because now we, he's done
1: it too. That's the other thing. Now he's done it too as a head coach. This is a learning experience for him too. Everybody, everybody to, uh, look, there weren't very many people on Twitter. I really didn't see very many. There are some who's like, nope, so you can't coach. Shut, the, shut the, up. The,
0: okay, can I, can I, go, can I do the, this? Please. This was my point. That yeah, I this door is yours. Yes, so I, I talked, we talked about this this morning, and this is a very small minority of Twitter, but if you listen to this, I hope you are because you're stupid. The <laughs> moving of the goalposts when it comes to Mike Boyden is getting absurd. You wanna, you, people wanted to wait for him to get to the NCAA tournament. Okay, that's, that's totally fair. At a school in Oklahoma State, you expected a tournament. I understand. You got screwed out of his first year. Two, year. two bad years, this is going to be the year. He gets to the tournament. All right, great. Now you move the goalposts up too. oh, now he's got to win a game. Okay, then they go and win a game. All right, now he's got to get to the Sweet 16. It was, and then they lose. Okay, see, so obviously he can't coach. Like, what do you, at what point do you want to define success? Because he has to figure the shit out, too. Like, he's still a young head coach. He's not been 40 years old. This is his fourth year. The think about the roster attrition, all the other bullshit he's had to deal with. Like, this is the first full team he's had, pretty much, that was like his and good. <laughs> right? So. The fact that they were able to get to the tournament and win a game, first time since 2009, which that's still mind-boggling to me, regardless of the loss last night, there's some exercise demons there. But, I mean, I don't know what else you want to see at this point. Like, I know that there were higher expectations and the Oklahoma State probably should have gone further. But if your expectation was get to the tournament and win a game and then he does it and then you still expect more and you're not sold on, I don't know what the f- you want. I, I don't. I don't understand.
1: It is – it's a rebuilding process, folks. It's not just that when Travis Ford left, the team was bad. It's that Travis Ford left, and then Brad Underwood came in for one season, and Brad Underwood left, and then a first-time head coach took over. We've talked about all this. Like, the player attrition they've dealt with, the guys that had to boot off campus, the guys who've transferred out. Like, it's the roster attrition – this has been a building process. This isn't like, you know, I would love for someone to, to use Michigan as an example. Like Michigan hasn't already been really good and props to, I can't believe I just forgot the head coach's name because he's done a, a marvelous job there at Michigan in his first year this year. But like he also walked into a far better situation than the, than Boynton has. And I, you see him growing, you see his personal investment you see the team develop and also if you can't tell that players have gotten better throughout the season and don't understand that that's in large part because of him and the way that they coach and develop players and that it's been that way since the year brad was here and then i had guys on that team telling me like oh it's boynton is the guy who developed us like he is a developer of players players get better when they are coached by him if you can't figure that out you i don't know a lost
0: cause you, you should watch course. basketball yeah. yeah
1: because i don't there's nothing you you your expectation of got better is go from a three-star recruit to the number one pick like that's that's what would take and that's stupid and unrealistic so if you don't like him just say you don't like him. Like if you just don't like him and you don't think he's good enough then say that but stop trying to find excuses to not like him because that's then I not i don't that's fine you everyone's entitled to their opinion It's an opinion, mind you. People seem to confuse opinion with fact, but it is what it is. Um, I just I wanted a sweet sixteen. That's all I wanted. I I know that's me being whatever, but the fan of me just wanted one. So you're gonna believe that sweet sixteen, okay? It hasn't happened since 2005. I don't think that was too much. Asking for a sweet sixteen was not too much. It's not. It wasn't too much. It was a sweet sixteen. No, It, it it wasn't asking for a final four. I just wanted to win two damn games. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and with the way that the, the bracket was falling, it was falling in Oklahoma State's favor.
1: With Loyola beating Illinois. Which was also terrifying because that, it was also falling as an omen.
0: I, so I was – my wife and I went and We went out to the garage in Stillwater and got food and beer. We were watching a couple of the games, and I'm watching Illinois lose, and I was just sitting there thinking, I have a weird feeling about tonight. And, then, and when I say I got a weird feeling, that doesn't mean a go- anything good. It just, it doesn't. Because when I say I have a weird feeling, that means that shit's going to go sideways. And
1: if you had a good feeling, you would have said, I have a good feeling about tonight.
0: Yes. (laughs) And yeah, I was just like, something just feels right. And Mm -hmm. it's just been the story of this tournament with the, I think you, I think we talked about this off air. This is going to be the highest average seed for a sweet 16 ever. like that or like the it's been the like the the most double digit seeds have gotten to the round of 32 if you you
1: take all the seeds in the sweet 16 and i know it's not done yet but at this point it doesn't matter you take all the seeds of the sweet 16 and average them out it'll be the highest average seed like ever since it went to the even like whatever 63 teams 62 whatever um it's crazy and, and I thought it would be more chalky with the ones and twos. I didn't know it was going to get this nuts. But we we also felt like when we get to the final four, it's going to be teams that are all on the top. I oh, mean, yeah, well, I say that. I, I pick Loyola in the Midwest right now. Like crap, Props to Houston, but <clears throat> um, there's always a four-seater greater in the final four like every year, except yeah. for the one year it was like all ones. Um, but it's also the inevitability of of what we've known all season. It's going to be inside and Baylor, but. Yeah. It's just – it's a weird – and and you knew it would be because it was too hard to accurately – Loyola is an eight seed. They're I'm not like, an eight I don't seed. trust the Ken Palm and the net rankings entirely because Colgate was a top ten seed, and then it was top ten in the net and the Ken Palm, and they were accurately placed where they're supposed to be. But, you know, teams are going to be overseeded and underseeded. And I still only oh, thing think OSU was underseeded. I don't care what happens in the tournament. And I also am 99% positive that Jim Beheim. Has his name is written in blood in the book of the devil. So that if he's ever on the bubble, he not only gets into the tournament, makes a Sweet Sixteen run, because that's the only reason for this always happening for him.
0: I'm pretty sure he just asked the committee to put him as an eleven seed from now on.
1: Because I No, mean, he's made... his there. The the book of the devil has his name written in blood, and he that's the other reason he won't quit coaching is because the second he does, he dies and <laughs> he goes to hell. Uh, he's also an <laughs> so I don't even know, feel bad making terrible, awful remarks about Jin Hee So also his son the buddy buckets thing folks i may be a cowboy but buddy buckets no. is buddy heel <laughs> that is buddy healed uh take that man's nickname out your mouth little white boy who can hit shots is not buddy buckets no 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 okay um Where should we? Do we want to talk refs? Because I, I'm gonna have to. You might have to get a duck sound or some barnyard sound effects. If I, if
0: I can find a way to do that, I would. Right now, I just have the tone that is still hilarious, regardless. As long as we can make Robert laugh, because he's like the only person I know that listens to this thing we do. um, You know, we'll 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 give him a bunch of bleeps here so that he can tweet about it because it may does his heart
1: good. My takeaway from this entire. Season. I'll pause so it's easier to, to isolate and be for you um, is not only the charge block call but the inability the blatant inability by refs to call it accurately um, their inability to accurately identify flops and it's pissing me off all of that and this whole season has been a, a glaring spotlight on how shitty the refs in college basketball have become.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shitty. Oklahoma State, forget, look, this is not a the refs cost OSU the game thing, folks. Um, did they have a pl- hand in, in part, do I think? Yes, because they had an impact on the game. You cannot deny that. They did. You don't get to call 53 fouls and it not have an impact on the game. That number is still absurd. We've, I've said it and talked about it, and we talked about it. it still is mind boggling Trying to find the stat. I don't know. I remember what it is because I quote tweeted it. Uh, 53, as I recall, is the second most foul calls in an NCAA tournament game. Since, oh, man, where's the original stat? Someone tweeted it out. Uh, this is like 2002 ah, or something like Combined that. for 58. So the stat was OSU and Oregon State combined for 58 made free throws. It's the most in a NCAA tournament game since Missouri and Miami in 2002, the round of 64. 58 made free throws. They shot. 73. 73. That's almost a foul and a a free throw and a half a minute of game time. I'm going to repeat that. That is almost a free throw and a half per minute of game time. Free throw I, attempts.
0: I think over, free throws.
1: Yeah. Free over throws. made in the made that free throws.
0: Twelve minute mark, and I think both teams were in the double bonus by the seven minute. Within seven minutes of the game ending.
1: Made free throws. Accounted for almost 39% of all the points scored. More than a third of the points scored in this game were from the free throw line. Again, I'm not saying like that cost OSU to get, I mean, it's not like they were hitting anything else. They missed 12, and Oregon State missed three. OSU shot 38, Dutch shot 35. They missed three free throws, OSU missed 12. It's been a free throw issue for them all season. But again, that impacts the game. Now, OSU decided to have their worst shooting performance of the year. The shot just 27% and had – they had 14 more shots because what are we complain about OSU all season long? The, the inability to, to turn, the over, turn the ball over, turn the ball over. Turn the ball over eight times at four, and Oregon State turned it over 20. OSU couldn't shoot for shit. They shot 29 threes, 29 – and that's because you were down so big, you were trying to get yourself back in by hitting threes. Which is, you know, what you do. I, I
0: would love ah. to see the the fifth factor plot for this game to see how uh. where they felt oh, the, good, the good shot. You know, like um, basically like were they taking good shots essentially? Because it felt like they were it felt like they were getting good, decent open looks for the most part. They just weren't falling, and that is. And I know you hate how much I, I talk about this, but it's true. It's just how fickle the game can be. You can do everything right, you get a wide open shot, form's good, backspin on the ball's good, and it, the shot doesn't go in. It's just kind. It's just the nature of the sport, and it just happened to hit Oklahoma State and bite them in the ass at the worst
1: possible time. Well, it doesn't help that you're getting a foul call every five seconds. That also, yeah. Hand tiki tack hand nonsense. And look, Oregon State couldn't miss. Oregon State, that ball was going in the hoop. They, they. they, they the state of Oregon State's were some friggin' monster, stole some talent from somebody, crap. I don't know what the heck they did. But they could miss. And and it just what it it's frustrating because I can't be here and like, oh well, Cade should have done this. No, Cade, Cade turned it on when he's supposed to. Well, Boynton should have done this. I mean, if I'm gonna nitpick one thing for Boynton, it's the fact that after Cade got it within three, he touched the ball for four a straight while, sessions. Which is It was not great, Bob. It's not great. But the free throw stuff, the foul stuff, just killing the game. I, look, it's, it's making, Cade, was, Cade was Cade. Rough stretches, but he could turn it on the second half and be awesome. Um, Avery was awesome against Liberty and he didn't shoot all that well against Oregon State, but he got to the rim and got free throws a lot. Yeah, fouled a lot, um, and no one else could really shoot, to be honest. I mean, that, that was the other thing, is the other guys you expected to show up were not able to. Mm-hmm. And I think that that tells you what happened in this tournament. It tells you why. You know, Avery had a great performance the first half against Liberty, and that kept them in it, and they were able to get past Liberty. You couldn't. You didn't get that performance, and, and that to me is is the difference between OSU also making it past Liberty into the second game. Was Avery was awesome in the first half against Liberty and kept OSU in it, and then OSU played ridiculous lockdown defense in the second half, half against Liberty. The I mean, Oregon State didn't hit a three in the second half of the game. Oregon State did not hit a three in the second half of the game. Just couldn't hit shots. That's, in, and that's it. And that's not anyone. Like you can Well, they should have. I don't. If you can't, you can shoot a perfect shot. If it doesn't go in, it doesn't win. Right. Like, that's not coaching. That's not scheme. That's not getting a guy open. If you shoot good open shots and they don't fall, that's on the shooter. That's on your night being just completely off. And I again, this goes back to the whole I want these guys to be able to play do this again next year because it was a lot of young guys who didn't step up. Period. Yeah. They couldn't score, they couldn't shoot.
0: I don't have anything else. Um, I mean,
1: I don't like. I don't want to. I,
0: I don't want to talk. About I could sit here guys' I, performances, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I will. I it would be remiss without talking about Cade and how special the season was watching him play. Oh um, man, he didn't. He didn't have to come here. He could have gone to the G League, made half a million dollars. And I think. Hold
1: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I think, I think I wanted a couple of days to. I want to do that, but I want to do it right. Like I think we need a couple of days to like decompress from this. I think that's fair. And Sit down and kind of devote a good chunk of a podcast to Cade. I think. I think, I think that is. Uh, that's how I feel. If you want to get it all out now, but I would say if you've got a lot of thoughts, let's save them and let's do a say goodbye to Cade show. I'm, I'm good with
0: that. I kind of think that. I'm good out. with that. Yeah.
1: I think um, he deserves it. I, I don't like. We I don't know if we've done this on the show. We've kind of talked about this on the on my Mount Rushmore of the OSU players that just have like tattooed themselves into my heart. He's up there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can debate where he ranks just personally. Like I don't think anyone will ever beat out Tony Allen for me. But that's a personal thing. I'm not going to say Tony was better than the Um I'm an OSU basketball is my is my greatest love because tony allen was freaking awesome um but i think i think we need to devote some time to Kane. so
0: yeah um, i absolutely think that's fair
1: yeah
0: all right we have a couple other sports update on we will do that after this break so not only were the men playing this week in the NCAA tournament, the women played as well, beat Wake Forest. Uh, I think it was like 84 to 68, something like that. Just
1: beat the crowd. I was about by like 20. 20.
0: Yeah. Natasha yeah. Mack did Natasha Mack things. So she had like 24 and 18 with like five blocks. She has
1: 1,000 points.
0: Yeah. In two seasons, that's incredible. Wow. <laughs> at, any, at any level, that's incredible. I uh, believe now they're going to play Stanford in the second round. Who is the one seed. That's going to be of really tough. Yeah, because of course they – of course. Um, it's just the way this this thing goes. But, again, to win, win a game of the tournament, it's a big deal. Last couple of seasons were kind of rough. To be able to play the way they have – I mean, you you have someone like Natasha Mack, Jamie Asbury. Uh, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, I hope they can give Stanford a run. I'm not going to expect them to win because Stanford is Stanford. But also, screwed Stanford because wrestling, which I'll get to in a moment.
1: Oh, yeah. No, let me say this. Let me say this. I don't think they're going to beat Stanford. Stanford's really good. Okay? Just, I'll just say it. However, if ever there was a year, because the women's tournament goes pretty chalk for the most of the tournament. You get upsets. We've already seen a couple of 12s over five. I think you, can exactly like, you can
0: sharpie like what Mississippi State and UConn. Just sharpie the top
1: four seeds pretty much down, and the ones and the twos the final four. That's just how it works. I, th- I think maybe Louisville made a run as like a four seed when you're I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's pretty chalky, in large part because the top four seeds all play at home for the opening two rounds, oh. um, and the top teams are just that much more. They're just that dominant. There's not as much parity. It doesn't mean the sport's not good. It is, and the tournament's good, Freely really good. But this year, everyone's playing in Texas. No one gets home court. There's no home court advantage. I am curious, and I'm paying attention because I'm really intrigued by what kind of impact that might have on how the tournament goes. Stafford's probably going to win but I'm saying probably not gonna. Because there's just this small part of me that not only hopes that the girls win, but is hoping my theory benefits them. Because on a new truly neutral site in the state of Texas, what kind of impact does that have for OSU and other lower-seeded teams? Or in OSU's case, under-seeded teams in the tournament, we shall see. It'll be really
0: interesting to see. And I think they play; they'll play by the time this comes out. So you guys will know the yeah. result. But
1: they're all gonna be like, "Philip, you're an idiot. They lost by 20. i are like, oh, well, don't care. Been wrong many times before about things. Uh, will continue to be wrong about many things moving forward. Not gonna, not gonna do me any any harm." Uh, both the men's and the women's golf team won this past weekend. There Props we to them. Yeah, uh, specifically the men won the uh, NIT knocking off, this is gross to say uh, like number one ranked Oklahoma. Yeah. Like it, was a it was a Bedlam win because it was a head-to-head. It was a Bedlam win because it was a head-to-head. Oh, you finished second. So all I know is just add that to the continually long, long list of Bedlam matchups that OSU has won this year in all sports not named football. Doesn't matter, it's not football. Suck it, Sooners.
0: All right, I want to dive into wrestling here. I know you're expecting me to say baseball, but I'm diving into wrestling.
1: Yeah.
0: Oklahoma State finished yeah. third at, in, in the team title at, uh, in St. Louis. Iowa locked up the team title before the finals even started. They were that good. Penn State finished second. Mm-hmm. For Oklahoma State, coming into this, this tournament, they only had a couple of guys that had legitimate chances at winning titles, and those, that was Dayton Fix and A.J. Ferrari. Bula Wallen was a four seed, but 149 is just stacked. And it was gonna be really tough for him to get through. And you're hoping maybe for like a fifth or sixth place finish. Oklahoma State was able to finish third. They had six All-Americans, which that's really finishing in the top eight of the and these brackets are like 40-something people. So that's a that's a really big deal. And so let me run through the list here. Uh, I'll finish with the guys that were in finals in a minute, but you got Bula Wallen at 149, Travis Whitlake at 165. They both, both finished fourth. Dakota Gear at 184, I believe he finished uh, seventh. And then Wyatt Sheets finished, I believe, eighth as well. And for Wyatt Sheets, I want to highlight this before I get into Fix and Ferrari. He wasn't even supposed to be in the NCAA tournament. He did not get an automatic – He
1: wasn't even on, supposed to
0: be there. He, he did not get an automatic qualifier out of conference – out of the conference tournament. He went one and two. But due to an injury to another, uh, another wrestler at the 157 weight class, he, he was next man up. And he goes in as the 33 seed. Loses his first match. Gets all the way back through Wrestlebacks, which is the consolation rounds and then gets their blood rounds, and then gets, manages to get up into placing matches. He got to All-American status. It was an injury default, but to get an all, be an All-American, I don't care. The, the journey he had to take to get there says enough. He is the lowest-seeded All-American of all time, not just at his weight class, ever. A 33, that is the lowest seed ever to gain All-American status, and for a guy like Wyatt, who his dad was a multiple-time All-American at Oklahoma State back in the late 80s, early 90s, you could see how much it means. So if you have not seen the video of him embracing John Smith after he goes out there and gets his hand oh. raised, that he, he became an All-American. It, like the Boynton video, if it doesn't make you a little emotional, uh, you're a better man than me. That is a big deal. But then also in his exit interview where they're talking about uh, – they are asking about everything – The day he became an all-American, he was supposed to have knee surgery on his left knee because he did not like because he's been wrestling on a bad knee for so long. Instead, he became an all-American that day. For one, wrestlers are a different breed, but that just goes to show how awesome that is. And that's one of the best stories of the year, I think, for this Oklahoma State team. Dayton Fix finished second at 133. Tough match against Roman Bravo Young, uh, a very quick, twitchy wrestler. And Fix, he was really good. Like, he was dominating everybody up until he got to uh, got the finals. He did, he did beat Austin DeSanto again from Iowa, which was awesome because that guy is if – you, if you need to, the definition of an asshole wrestler, that would be Austin DeSanto. Uh, but Roman Bravo Young just – he out-wrestled Fix there. Uh, it was a sudden victory match where Fix took an ill-advised shot in uh, about a halfway through su- the one minute sudden victory round and Roman countered it and got the takedown. The match was over and, and it sucks because both of Dayton Fix's all American seasons, he's gotten to sudden victory and lost in the championship round. Hopefully next year as I think he's going to be a redshirt junior, and This is going to be his fifth year in college, uh, which because of the meta, the first redshirt and the Olympic red shirt, uh, I wouldn't surprise me if he's going to wrestle with a vengeance and he's going to find a way to be a national champion. I, don't, I'd, I would hate for a guy of his caliber to be that wrestler that doesn't end up as a national champion. AJ Ferrari becomes Oklahoma State's 143rd individual national champion at 197. People doubted him, didn't think he was going to do anything as a, as a true freshman, and he, he dominated everybody he wrestled. And he can cut some WWE promos. If you need someone that's going to be a face of Oklahoma State athletics, I want it to be that guy. Because he's fun, he's engaging, he's electric, and he's really, really, really good. Uh, And he can deadlift 665 pounds. Just ask him, he'll tell you. So, overall, a really good weekend for a young team that battled a ton of injuries to be able to finish third in the team title that wasn't expected at all. It says a lot about where they're going to be at. They can be healthy next year. We are in a really good spot with the wrestling program for what's to come.
1: Yeah, them finishing third was big. I mean, young team, Andrews, I was I was impressed. Um, it was it was pretty neat to follow along. Honestly, like, didn't get to watch much because I was watching basketball. I'm sorry, but it was neat to follow along. Um, Ferrari's pretty man. The videos of him, like I was I was describing it to my wife. I was like, you know how there's those just douchey meatheads but there's a there's there's a big slight difference and it's how they are between the douchey meatheads and then just the guys who just love what they do right like you can tell the difference between just the optimistic positive guys like that and the ones who just like they would make out with themselves if they thought they could get away with it (laughs) we all know the coolest thing you know since sliced bread guy And Ferrari is not that guy. To the point that I'm on Twitter and seeing national people who aren't associated with Oklahoma State talking about AJ Ferrari. And it's the most just like, what's happening? Like, why am I seeing Bunky Phillips talking about AJ Ferrari? Why am I seeing these guys connected to to, the national sports? they're talking about aj ferrari and they're like no he's awesome like we all love him this is great this is awesome it was like this is it was it was it was very very cool to see people who i didn't think even cared about collegiate wrestling talking about aj ferrari yeah yeah I was there were really, some funny jokes like the picture the side by side picture of him and his dad being called aggressively italian which is that a, a I, fairly I've accurate seen- description
0: Aggressively Italian, like, doesn't begin to describe it. Like, it is the <laughs> most, like, it is a violently Italian family. Like, look, if you haven't seen their family picture from when he committed, good god! It's oh my so gosh, funny. yeah, it's so funny. Yeah,
1: I, 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 like, you can, you can taste the garlic bread. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, it's good. Yeah.
0: Now, baseball, real quick. They lost two or three against Texas Tech. Tough series. Texas Tech's the top five oh, team. Wow. They were able to yeah. get a win on Friday, lost uh, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, and really Texas Tech outplayed them for like three innings. But unfortunately, that can be the difference for two games uh, in a series. But it doesn't make me at the panic. Yeah. Oklahoma State played well, fought the whole game. It wasn't like they got blown out like they did in that Saturday game against Vanderbilt. It's you know it's just one of those things. The offense really did come alive a little bit on Sunday, especially when they really needed it. So that's a good sign. You have a tough sneaky- – Hold on. There's the
1: second straight weekend where the offense is waiting till Sunday to come alive, which is a little bit concerning because did it didn't for against Vanderbilt. Well uh, – And maybe they, that's just the pitching. Maybe that's, that's just – the-
0: I think that it's just a factor of pitching. And it's still – we're about a third of the way through the year, and this is kind of really when batters are kind of starting to swing things back the other way, where mm. p- pitchers dominate seasons early. Because, you, you know, when you're facing your own guys, that's one thing. But then you're facing other guys with new arsenals and, you know, they're blowing fuzz early in the year. Like, it's different. It's, it's just – it takes a little bit for hitters to adjust. By about a third of the way through the season or even earlier, now things start to swing back the other way. And Oklahoma State has enough mashers in that lineup that I'm not concerned about it at all. Now, you do have some really good pitchers coming in for Kansas State this weekend in uh, Seymour, Wicks, and McCullough which is going to be a really t- a tough test. Wicks is going to be really good on Friday. That guy's going to be a top 15 and will be draft pick. So we'll, you know, we'll go from there. But it, if Oakland State can win the series, win two out of three, I, I feel really good about where they're at. If they lose two or three, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little concerned.
1: But it's time, to, it's time to inch that hand toward the panic button if yep. they have a rough week again. It is. Yes. Yes. Um, they get Missouri State on Tuesday. They have a, what is it, like 15-game home game slate? Coming Something up, like, got it's
0: like two and a half weeks at home
1: for this week, four next week. So that's eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, so four, four, and four. So you got a 12 game homestand coming up. Um, they don't we'll go back on the road till April, the weekend of April 16th at, at TCU. So, I mean, it's a good opportunity here. Rack, rack ups, wins, they have They always have a stretch like this, we're just like, all right, let's go on a 10 2 tear here. And yeah. You know, it's right
0: around the middle of conference play when things really start to pick up for this team. So it's always when they play their best baseball under Josh holiday. So I I would expect nothing different this year.
1: I mean, look, Saturday, Texas tech game, you know, bottom of the fourth gets away with them. Tech gets three runs, and OSU tries to come back in the ninth, get one more and and it falls short. Same thing on Sunday, bottom of the third tech gets three. Um, and, uh, and they kind of go back and forth from there, and OSU gets two at the top of the ninth and isn't able to get the, the tying run in, and it's a close game. So it, it's not like – it's almost reminiscent of when the two teams faced off in the last Super Regional where it was incredibly close. They both had a win, and then you get to that last one and, and Texas Tech pulled it out. It's just – it's two good teams. They play close. We'll, I'm sure they'll see each other again in Oklahoma City. Um it just stinks because that it it really puts you behind the eight ball in trying to win the regular season because Tech's good, and so now you have to win as you just you gotta win more and rely on the goals to knock them off. But I think this is a big weekend. I think Kansas State's fine.
0: They're they got okay. Some, they got they got some mashers in their lineup. It's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be a sneaky tough test for OSU the pitching.
1: Uh, hey, we're going to. Uh, I will be in a game this weekend, I'm not sure which one either Saturday or Sunday. So, I will put that out when I know for sure. And if anybody is also at the ballpark and want to wants to hang out with us
0: because we're going to be standing together watching this ball game, having still the weeks and like the second time we've seen each other in person, it's gonna be a good time.
1: It's gonna be a good time, yeah. All right, so let's wrap it up. All right,
0: am I uh, it was a pretty cathartic conversation to get through after a brutal loss last night but you know Mm -hmm. we'll have our you know more level calm headed where we can truly review the rest of the season talk about kate a little more and go from there we'll have that out you know at some point in the future we'll talk to you all next time take care